This is the Sales Gravy Podcast. Hi, I'm Jeb Blunt, best-selling author, fanatical prospecting, objections, sales EQ, and inked, and I'm here to help you open more doors, close bigger deals, and rock your commission check. Welcome back to another episode of the Sales Gravy Podcast. On this episode, we're going to be focusing on what leaders need to be doing right now to keep their sales organizations focused and moving forward in the face of all the volatility that's happening in the marketplace and all the bad news and the ups and downs that are happening in the news. Now, before we get started, I want you to go check out Sales Gravy University. Sales Gravy University is where sales teams from across the globe come to train and learn and hone their sales skills so that they can sell more, close more, build bigger pipelines. And right now you can check out any course on SalesGrave University if you've never checked out one before uh, by using the code free course. So if you've never been on SalesGrave University before, you get your very first course for free, any course you want uh, with the code free course. And while you're there, make sure that you check out our team account or our team hub options for small and scaling sales teams. Just go to learn.salesgravy.com. That's learn.salesgravy.com and use the code free course. Now with me today is Graham Hooper, who is the CEO of Ellison Technologies. And Graham and I've known for each other for a very long time. Uh, we work with his company and I've been dying to get Graham on my podcast literally for for about three to four years. I've been thinking about this and planning this, and he's so busy going flying all over the world and doing all the things that, that he does running a big business. But we finally got together because Graham is a smart dude, and he um, he's just got this inherent ability to understand sales and understand sales people and how to lead them at a level that most leaders at his in his place as a CEO don't really get. So it's going to be important that you pay attention and take some notes because he knows what he's talking about. Graham, welcome to the Sales Gravy Podcast. Thanks, Jeff. Appreciate it. And looking forward to our chat. Uh, Graham, give me a little bit of background for on you. So you, you, um, I know this because you and I have spent time together, but a lot of people don't. Right. Don't. So what I really should talk about is, is uh, tell us about your sales chops. Why should people pay attention to you when it comes to selling and leading sales teams? Okay. Uh, give you a little bit of background. Um, you know, I, I, as you may be able to tell, I was originally from England and uh, I started off life as, uh, as an engineer, did an apprenticeship, uh, worked in uh, manufacturing uh, on the shop floor and in the engineering department, uh, programming, estimating, stuff like that. And at a very young age, I remember attended a, a big machine tool show. So uh, big machine tools are the, are the machines that make the parts that go into everything and anything from airplane engines to medical components to cars, et cetera, et cetera. And uh, I was uh, blown away by the show. It was uh, a phenomenal technology and really an exciting environment and uh, kind of made the decision there and then I wanted to be a machine tool salesman. It seemed like the greatest job on earth to me at the time. And uh, with that, I uh, found an opportunity for working for uh, an American company. I worked for a Japanese company selling machines. And I, I guess I started, you know, 23, 24 years old, my first sales job. And uh, as we would say in England, I didn't know an end mill from a windmill when it came to selling. I, I was kind of uh, really thought it would be a great idea. And I can remember making my first sales call and, and really not even knowing how to begin the conversation. Um, 
But I was very fortunate. I was very fortunate in as much as the company I was working for invested uh, in their sales teams. And uh, at that time, we worked, uh, we had a, a sales training company that we worked with called the TAC Organization, um, a book written by Alfred Tack, Selling to Industry, which uh, I went on their course in London. And, and I remember um, reading this book and, and doing the course. And it was a week-long course in a beautiful part of London. And I was so excited. It was an emotional experience learning how to sell, uh, how to sell to industry. And the, the book, Selling the Industry, I must have read that book 20 times because it became my Bible of how to sell. And um, to the point when even I, I, if I went into a slump, uh, I would get it out again and reread it. Let's, let's re, uh, re-look at it. And, and the beauty of, I think, sales is that uh, it's uh, uh, fundamental, really, in my mind, that when you are in times like we're in at the moment where things are a little tougher, I always think it's a good time to go back to basics, that you start to look at the the basic things and and start to re-implement those. So um, for us... um, when I talk about basics, it's I'm, I'm, a, I'm a firm believer. We, we've had a good run for the last few years. I think a lot of people have. The economy's been good. And if I'm honest, I think what that breeds, Jeb, is a little bit of complacency. You, 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 you forget some of the fundamentals that you need to be doing to make sure that you are um, on top of your game. And by that, I mean... What we do is we, we I, I kind of believe that you, you can't improve what you don't measure. And so at times like this, we go back to the basics, the dashboards. We have a sales dashboard for each office and for each salesman that looks at the, the fundamentals of, you know, things like call rates, things like amount of quotes that are being generated, amount of obviously orders that people are getting, and that amount of time that a project is in the pipeline. and is it being moved to the next stage, et cetera? So we, we've done a lot of, um, a lot of, we invested a lot with salesforce.com and developed our own dashboards that suit our needs. And uh, at a very quick glance, we can see, and, and some from the training that we've done with you in recent years, our leadership training, uh, we have uh, implemented the one-on-one quick 15-minute salesman to sales manager reviews just to in order that they everybody is on the same page and and it's an opportunity for the sales guys to say hey this is where i need help this is where i think and for the sales manager to sort of say hey let's go let's do some joint calls together let's get out let's go see this customer let's go and help so i move this one to the next stage let's let's do that so i think you know my my thought process is that it is a very much a back to basic sort of approach in a tough market. Um, I think the other thing that you, you have to do is you have to be strategic in the way you go out, not just scattergun, but you have to look at for in our world, uh, the sort of industry sectors that are busy, um, at the moment, uh, just because of the way the economy is, there are certain sectors that are that, that are quiet, you know. But there are others that are very busy. In our world, 
where we're making parts or our customers are making parts, one of the big growth areas uh, because of the issues with the war in Ukraine uh, is defense spending. Defense spending is up. So we're very focused on defense companies and the supply chain to the defense companies because we see opportunity there. So you've got to kind of target that. Other industry sectors that we see that continue to be pretty busy, uh, medical. Medical is, you know, aging population continuing to invest year on year on year. There's always growth within the medical sector. So we put focus into, into that area. Um, space, uh, you, you know, Elon Musk and Blue Origin, these guys are, are, are doing great things. There's a hell of a lot of business that's in that particular sector. And we're selling uh, a lot and targeting a lot of those sort of industries. So I think being strategic and targeting, measuring what you're doing uh, is, is important. And I think the other thing that I would say, and I saw you sent out a note the other day, Jeb, on creative selling. And uh, it's funny because I sent that on to, to one of our leaders, Pat Uria, because <laughs> Uh, many, many conversations with him over the years. And, and he, he was the one that said to me, you know, the best quality a sales guy could have is creativity, is, is being able to think, think out the box a little bit and come up with creative ways to make things happen. In our world, that can be all sorts of things, but for example, with the interest rates being like they are, we can be creative with the financing. We have our own in-house financing. How can we sort of get people to think about investing in capital equipment by being creative with uh, low payments or no payments or extended terms or whatever it happens to be to be uh, uh, sort of entice them when they're a little bit unsure because of interest rates. Um, in our world as well, it's it's a great opportunity for some where the work isn't quite as demanding as it has been, that they can take a step back and maybe look at uh, updating old equipment or old processes. And to that end, we can talk about, okay, why don't we use this as an opportunity to take a step back, look at the big picture. Here you are. This is where you are today. Where do you want to be in two years, three years, five years time, um, apply things for us. Automation is, 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 a, is a growth element. And, and certainly most companies struggle to get good people, even in, in a market that's down a little bit. Um, so introducing automation, uh, particularly as a little breathing space, using that to be creative, to come up with a strategy and a plan, help the customer effectively build their own business plan. So I think those are the things that, um, that we, we put uh, a focus on. And I think particularly if there is a, a downturn and, and a lot of doom and gloom, it's important, more important than ever to put focus on motivation of your sales teams is to make sure your sales guys are, are motivated. Uh, and I think for us, uh, one way of doing that is by, um, uh, continuous communication, uh, sales meetings, one-on-one -on -one meetings. Uh, we have a, a monthly all sales meeting where we share success stories of, you know, this is where a certain sales guy has been successful with 
a, a nice order and this is how we created it and this is how it went. Uh, and I think keeping the motivation at a, at a, at a high level uh, really kind of particularly in a down sort of time uh, is even more important than normal. I've noticed with some of the sales teams that we're working with, I was just with a team earlier this week where I, I'm going to use the word disillusion, but I don't really like that word. I would say it's there's salespeople who are struggling to make the transition and even leaders that are having a struggle making the transition from the red hot market that we were in over the last, say, 24 months into a market that uh, in some places, like, for example, new home sales, which is one of the sectors we work in, they're literally in a, a recession right now. They're they're in a, a tough place. But manufacturing, which, like you, you know, is cyclical and the way that it works has been on top. Now some sectors are changing. Some sectors are hot like defense. So there's, there's other industries like yours where it's a mixed bag and there are other industries that are cranking. I mean, they're doing really, really, really well. And there's, they're, they're in a, they're, they're in a, a really good marketplace. But I think overall what I've noticed is that we've come back to a much more traditional mm-hmm. place to be, like you said, where the basics and fundamentals of selling matter. And like you, I, you know, I used to have a book called Noble Selling. Same thing. I read that book about it was <laughs> Hank Trizler wrote that book. I bet I read it 20 times. And every time things would go bad, I would pull that book out and I would read it again. And I still have that book. Um, yeah. But uh, but these salespeople that are that are struggling with the transition from literally showing up every day, fogging a mirror and being successful to now I've got to not only get back to the basics and fundamentals, but I got to grind it out. I got to think, like you said, I got to be more creative. I've got to work a little bit harder. I got to go prospect. I got to show up to meetings. I, I have to follow up because they're not going to chase me down anymore because you know they're, they're not as urgent as they used to be. Those, those are the individuals that right now are sort of on the, the edge of either falling out of their jobs and getting sent someplace else, or they're going to pick themselves up and they're going to move into this new place that we find ourselves in, which is essentially the old place that we were in back in, you know, 2018, 19. Um, What, what should leaders be doing when they see these individuals who are having, you know, you could call it a mental struggle, but for me, it's more of a heart struggle. Like it's that human struggle of, Things are different now and I have to change. And you how we just don't like as, as human beings don't like to shift into change that that uh, that easily. Yeah, that's a that's a, a, a good question and something that, uh, uh, you know, over the years I've, I've, I've thought about. And um, <clears throat> I remember coming across uh, uh, a Pete Carroll uh, interview when he was uh, I think he was with the USC. Um, and he, you know, before he went on to well, Seattle and other places, I believe. And I'm, you know, that football is not my football. My football's with the round ball. But he, he was an inspiring. Uh, it was an inspiring interview, and uh, he was asked, you know, what, what what is it that makes the difference between you know those guys that do make it and those guys that don't? And he he met at the time some analytical professor doctor who who basically told him that the difference is the difference is a thing called grit. And he, he, he went in and you probably may have heard it, but if you haven't Google, Google him and, and, uh, and, and, and watch his, uh, his interview on grit from USC, uh, because it is 
I think, really apt for sales. It, 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 the difference between those that do make it and those that don't is that you've got to have that. And, and it's not even a, it's not even, it's not an intellect thing. It's not a, it's not a personality thing. It's, it's a, when things get tough, you dig deep and you figure a way to make it happen. And, and I think that that is the difference. Having been through a number of, you know, really bad recessions, you know, the crash in 09 and, and there was a big recession in the early 2000s. The ones that survived, you had to have that grit. You had to dig deep. And, and it's, it is those things that, that you, you know, you preached, Jeb, the, the, you know, the fanatical prospecting, the getting yourself organized, looking yourself in the mirror, ever getting up, getting ready, looking in the mirror, having your call list prepared. This is who I'm going to call. And, and acting today, you, you know, you can find a lot of information before you call anybody on to make sure you're calling the right people in the right industries with the right potential solutions. Um, and I think that the one difference between those that do make it and those that don't um, it is grit. And uh, I, I think the, the reason that you and I are connected is when I first read your sales EQ book, the, 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 that kind of resonated with me because I had, I had found a lot of sales guys that uh, have been successful and then I know a lot that haven't been successful that maybe give up, particularly when the going gets tough. And I think the one thing that you talked about in there was this sales EQ, that ability not just to have the grit, but also to have that ability to connect with people in a way that they feel comfortable with you in order that they then find it easy to tell you about whatever their challenges and problems are. And if, you, if, you, if you've got that gene in you that, that you can then connect the dots between where his pain is and how you can help solve that pain, you do it, you build trust and the, 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 the cycle repeats. So I think that's a couple of things really, I think grit and just that personality, that, that, that sales EQ. And I think this, this, uh, this human connection today matters more than ever. And one of the things that strikes me going back to the red hot market and COVID. So we've, we've spent three years kind of locked up in a way, and you and I were in the pre-show, we're talking about how much fun it is just to be back out, just meeting yeah. people in person. But, but we've in some ways allowed that to put barriers between us and other human beings. And then we've got, you know, the, the, the further issue of we created some bad habits when everything was red hot and in, in a lot of industries, you know, you just had more customers than you had, you had the ability to service them. I know even in my company last March, I think about how it was last March. I remember being absolutely exhausted. I was, I, there, I, there was nothing left in the tank and there was one more company showing up and going, Hey, can you help us with this? Can you help us with this? And I just remember being, you know, to the point where I had to fight myself from being ungrateful for not having that many people that were showing <laughs> up, you know, you, and then you flip back a, a year later and, you know, I go back to some of those situations and I'm thinking to myself, man, I wish I'd taken advantage of that, or I wish I had that in, but we just got in a lot of places, so many people coming to us that we forgot to be human. We, we forgot to do that discovery. We forgot to look deep and find out ways that we could close those gaps for them or you know, help them solve pain. Uh, how do, like, how do you advise 
your team to get back to that human to human relationship. So I, I love the fact that you've pivoted into industries where there's opportunity, but getting back to that habit of being human, using your emotional intelligence and really connecting with other people. Yeah, I think, uh, you know, the interesting thing, and I think we've spoken about this before is that, you know, the pandemic it, it accelerated the change in sales because um, we, you know, back in the day, sales, if you wanted information on machines, you called the sales guy, you'd come in and bring you the brochure and run through the, the, the products, features and benefits and the rest of it. But nowadays, you know, anybody that wants anything, you know, whether you want to book a restaurant or anything, you pick your phone up and you Google or you, you know, you search for information. And so there, there's a, what we call a, there's a transition between the like traditional sales and marketing to more of a digital sales and marketing. And I think that, um, that you've got to have a good machine for digital marketing to be able to get into the fight because there's no doubt in my mind that sales guys, generally speaking, are it, the sales process is much further down the line when a customer would call you than it used to be. It's, it's a different, it's a different world. So there's something from a, from a company perspective, we, we need to be generating leads. We need to use the, the technology for marketing. I also know that we have some really, really good sales guys and, and um, whilst they should and do prospect and be creative. In addition to that, I think we, try to provide them with quality leads. And, and our goal, our goal is to increase our leads. I think we started when we first started on a sort of a digital marketing campaign, if you like, we, we wanted to see, uh, I guess some of the best industries have about 30% of their revenue coming from uh, marketing generated leads. And we're, we're, we've got some ways to go to that. But I think what we are also seeing with our sales guys is they, they can do their own campaigns within our sales force. They, they can target within certain geographic areas or certain industry sectors and, and, and go after. And there's no question in my mind that once you've got the inquiry, the difference is you've got to build that rapport. You and you can't. As much as we've done a lot of stuff virtually, uh, I think you and I were talking about it earlier. It nothing replaces that one-to-one -one interaction. And you know, sales is often about trust, and and you build a lot better trust. I think when you're in a one-on-one -on -one or face-to-face -face situation, and also I think from a from a sales perspective, as a, as, a, as a salesperson going into a company on a business-to-business -business call, you learn an awful lot by just looking around and seeing, particularly in our world where you, you tour a manufacturing plant, and you very quickly learn where potential opportunities to upgrade, with, which the customer may not have even thought yeah. about themselves because they don't know what they don't know. and. Uh, so I, I think you've, it's a balance today between, you know, the, the digital kind of world that generates and gets you, you know, in the, your videos in the right place so that the, the customers reach out to you. But it's also, I think, very targeted 
uh, and going after the, the, the potential customers that uh, you have good ideas and good solutions for that you know are uh, in, in an ups or in, 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 a, in a market that probably needs some help. And if you think about the digital piece of this, something that has emerged, uh, my friend Chris Beal was the first person I heard say this, so I'm going to give him credit for it. Um, but we've we've hit this. It's almost like um, it's like when the iPhone came out. It would be that moment of truth with this uh, this generative ch- chat, these these AI bots that are able to communicate almost at the same level that human beings can communicate in terms of written language. Like they're, they're writing things. Uh, I was on chat GPT this morning, uh, working on course descriptions, which makes it really easy. If I got a course, I drop it in, ask it for a description. It gives me a few paragraphs and then that gets me started and I'm able to write something that saves me an hour worth of work trying to figure it out on my own. Uh, but what Chris said was that suddenly the only communication that's trustworthy is human to human communication, verbal. Right. Because, because now anything that is written is suspect and human beings, they, we distrust inauthenticity, which a, a robot is inauthentic. And we distrust anything that we think might've been created by a robot. So anybody that's reading my course descriptions might be going, well, a robot wrote that. They didn't write the whole thing. It was, it was a human <laughs> and robot, but you know, we're using for those things. So, so does that not, elevate the role of the sales professional in guiding the, the prospect through a com- a complex sale, which is what you do. You sell these complex machines that basically make the entire world run, but does that not change the value and, uh, and the, the responsibility of the salesperson to be a good human communicator and build those relationships in the, in the land and world that we live in today that just changed where we've got robots everywhere that are doing a lot of the work for us. Yeah, I, I think you're, you're absolutely right. It's, uh, it's going to become increasingly so, you know, you don't, you, you get on social media and you hear about the AI that's, given a slant now, you know, a certain political slant, yeah. you know, you, you can ask it what you like and it, it the people that are programming it, it de- depending on who programs it is what the sort of uh, feedback that you're going to get. Whereas with that one-on-one in human interaction, I don't think we're ever going to get, I can't imagine a day where we're ever going to get to the point where the, you look somebody in the eye, that is the, 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 the true, can you trust somebody? Yeah. Can you, you know, and certainly some of our markets, maybe more than others, you know, places like Texas, they still want to shake hands and, and do a deal like that, you know, and, and they'll look you in the eye and they'll look at guys in the eye and, okay, we got a deal. And, uh, you know, I grew up in my sales career doing that. And, and if I did that, if I shook hands and looked somebody in the eye, I would make sure we never let them down, that we would deliver whatever it was we said we were going to deliver. And uh, hey, it doesn't mean you don't get problems. But then I think the other element of that is if, if you've got that human connection and a customer has a problem, you go over and above and beyond to figure yeah. out how to solve that problem, you know? And that, that only then generates more business for the future. Because if you look after somebody, as you, we all know, if you get looked after by, uh, any experience that maybe starts off bad, you end up in a, in a stronger position if you resolve the issue than if you never had the issue. And, um, 
that's something I don't think robots are ever going to be able to do. That's, that's not a, that, that's, that's a human connection that is, uh, and, and you know, <laughs> selling and buying is an emotional experience. And yeah. so that, that's, that's always going to be key. I've got one last question or one last segment before we wrap up. And I want to focus on a decision deferment objections. So think about where we are right now. So a couple of weeks ago, uh, we had a couple of banks that went uh, belly up and that became all the buzz. If you opened up Wall Street Journal, they were talking about what's the next bank yeah. to go. And, you know, of course, in my business, the very first thing we did is we sat down with our banker and we said, OK, where are our accounts and what's insured, what's not insured? And probably smart businesses across the board did the same thing. And we moved some money in some different places to make sure that we weren't exposed. And that creates disruption for buyers who are worried about bad things happening. And so when they're forced with a decision, they'll have a tendency to put things off. And I think to some extent, salespeople get corrupted by that as well, because they start telling stories to themselves about why people won't buy for them. And they accept those, those excuses. And you said you were talking earlier about creative selling. And I think this, this is where this kind of connects. And you, you were talking about how you can get creative with financing and, and, and other things that you can do as an organization. Let's just talk salesperson to salesperson about this, this concept of buying deferment, another decision deferment. I'm, I'm going to wait because I'm not sure what's going to happen. Or, you know, something just happened right now. I'm going to hold off for a little bit. How should salespeople be preparing for those objections? Because they're going to come. I mean, there's no, there's no doubt that you're going to face a buyer who starts to, to pull back on you. How should you prepare for it? And when you get them, how should you deal with it or handle it, uh, both at the emotional level and at the rational level? Yeah, that's, that's uh, always a tough one. Um, you know, and, and it really depends on the customer and the, and, and the reason that they're trying to, de to defer. Certainly in our world, particularly at the moment, the, the bank situation, you know, they don't want to use the cash. They're, they're kind of, so we, we try, I always try to drill down to the fundamental reason. Why, why not? Why will you not? And you've got to kind of ask a lot of why, why, why? <laughs> How could we overcome that objection? Um, for us, it's, it is coming back to the creativity of it. Um, I, I, in certain circumstances, we're trying to create a sense of urgency. Um, and we have and we do use, you know, pricing that there's certain, particularly with us, there's certain deals that can be done this month that won't be able to be done next month. Um, availability of, of product, you know, there's a limited amount of product, particularly in our world, there's been a chip shortage. And so there is a, so those that move now uh, are able to get the, the technology in. The, the other uh, thing that we will do is maybe wrap around it some um, uh, soft, uh, if you like, soft uh, benefits for the customer. For example, um, we can do engineering, we can program the machines, we can do extra training, we could turnkey his part. So he, it's, it's, a, it's, it's ready to go, just needs to press the button and he's going to be making parts. So we try to, try to be creative and get them off the dime. Um, some, some, what, we, what we do find as well is that 
depending on the type of customer, not necessarily the sector, the, the bigger companies that are probably putting together capital spends for multiple years uh, in a down market tend to be better targets for us than the smaller job shop that's relying on his work from another one. So if you've got a bigger company with capital budgets planned, we find that that's probably better to target than smaller companies that will probably, you know, it's kind of feast and famine for them. They get two orders and they're, they're, they're overrun, whereas the, the bigger manufacturers are able to, uh, to handle that better. So I don't know if that answers the question, but that's kind of the way we, we will go about it. How about, See, during discovery, if you're, you know, you're doing a walkthrough in a plant and you're maybe you're, they're looking at replacing a machine, understanding the cost of keeping that machine on the production floor versus moving a new machine in, in terms of labor cost and repair cost and, um, and upkeep and even, even energy, for example, if it's, you know, if it's pulling a lot of energy, what that long-term cost would be. Or, um, you know, or understanding the opportunity cost. If they don't slot this machine in, what are they going to miss and how long that's going to be? So when you're dealing with that fear, which is that's all the deferment is, I'm afraid if I do something now, it's going to create a negative future consequence. But using right. using the metrics that matter, using math to be able to minimize their fear by showing them that if they move forward, how much more it's going to save them or how much more money it will make them if they're in that situation. I, I mean, does that, is that something that would figure into it? And, and, and why, how does that impact discovery in the, at the front end? Yeah, no, absolutely. When you're selling technology, that's kind of a fundamental, to be honest, that you, you, you build together the, you build the uh, ROI, the, the, <laughs> the return on investment for, this is this is your current process. This is your current cost against the the newer technology. And for us, you know, the a lot of what we would do um, would take multiple machines or mo multiple people out of a process because we're selling the latest and greatest technology. So, uh, to your point, it's uh, it's not the cost of making the decision; it's the cost of not making the decision that's going to really impact your business. The other the other element of that as well is that it's um, uh, for us when you when if, if a customer buys the latest and greatest technology, that's also a sales tool for them. This this will open up because you're going to be that more much more efficient, that more, more effective. You're going to be able to go to other customers. You're going to be able to go and get other work and the newer contracts, or bigger contracts, because this is the supply chain want to put work with people that can do it efficiently, the right quality with the right deliveries and everything else. So, um, and, and you're absolutely right. The part of that ROI is the maintenance fees, how much are you spending at the moment on spare parts? How much are you, how much downtime are you getting? How much uptime, uh, how much labor is in this? Uh, how, how could we automate what you're doing? So yeah, the, the, when you're selling tech capital equipment and technology, um, particularly uh, in our world, the financial justification is absolutely key to uh, moving it forward. And that's exactly why you know, my advice to salespeople is that you should invest about 80% of the time in the sales process in discovery. What are you learning? Yeah. What are you asking? And that intersects with the, 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 one of the very first things that you talked about was getting back to the basics and fundamentals. And I think that this is, 
the place where I I have the most heartache for salespeople because I love salespeople is that we came out of this period of time where salespeople were skipping that step because buyers were going to buy anyway. Like they they were right. they were calling you and saying I want it, and so the salespeople were transacting. They were going hello, okay, here's what it's going to cost. Here's when you're going to get it, and we we got out of the habit of doing that deep level discovery, and that's shocking yep. some salespeople now when buyers are holding back and they're thinking about it. They they don't have any ammunition to reduce fear because they didn't ask the questions. They didn't do the work up front. Oh, totally. I absolutely agree. And and I, I think I said, you know, we got a little complacent because times were good. And it was a bit like shooting fish in a barrel and, and it, it's changed, you know, even, even though, even the up industries, it's changed. The, the competitive lands, it's much more competitive, you know, than it, than it was. And so with that, you have to do your homework. You have to have a very solid business case as to why this is a good thing for the customer. And then that, that does include a lot of the research and a lot of that research you can do. Um, it repeats because it's a similar process for multiple different yeah. customers. You know, they're doing the same kind of thing. And uh, you, once you get that pitch down and you really understand the challenges of that industry and, and in our world, it is labor. Labor is the big issue. Um, getting good labor and the cost of labor. Uh, that's the issue. And then, and the technology we sell really, addresses that. And, and every, every time we sell something, the return on investment is key to success and doing the homework is, is a fundamental. Got to do it. Very good. I, I love your company. I think it's an amazing company and the, with a, with a, just an, an incredible history. But I know that you're always looking for ultra performing salespeople. You're looking for the top of the top, the best of the best, just like you, when you fell in love, when you were in your twenties with machine tools, you're looking for people who carry that same passion. So I want to give you just a second. If there is someone out there who has as a career in sales and they're looking to move to the next level or looking to do something that's, that's really fascinating and interesting and on the cutting edge, especially around robotics and the, it's the software and technology of creating efficiencies in manufacturing. Uh, what would you say to them about, uh, about joining Allison technology or at least checking out uh, your company and how would they go about looking at careers at Allison? Well, you, you can certainly uh, contact us through our website, ellisontechnologies.com. Um, what would I say? Uh, we, we, uh, if this is a great industry for, if you're the right kind of person, you've got the right energy and you've got the right passion, uh, you can make a lot of money. It's, it's, it, it pays well. Um, and the interesting thing is that we, you know, back when I was first started, it was always thought you had to be an engineer to do it. Um, which isn't the case. Uh, we, we, some of our very top sales guys, uh, I'm thinking of one of the young guys that we've got, uh, came from a national car rental. We did a, a, a kind of a trainee manager type gig with them, came to us. And we've got a few like that, that have come. We've got engineers as well that have been in the machine uh, manufacturing world. Um, and we, we have, as you know, we, we, we do the sales training with you. We have you uh, regularly doing our sales training. And we have a very strong onboarding process within salesforce.com to teach the fundamentals. And, and I'm a firm believer. You know, I, I mentioned the training I had from TAC in the early days. 
I'm a firm believer that you get out what you put in. And that includes us as a company that if we want to get the best people and get the best out of them, then we need to invest in them. We need to give them the tools that they need to do the job. And uh, if, if, you know, that is said to uh, many, many times that it said to me with new people that we've taken on, they really are appreciative of the way that we, we set things up to get them up and running. So, and you know, we, we, we are, although we're relatively big now, we still have a family business type of field to it. We have 16 offices throughout the U S. Um, I think we're over 400 people now and, uh, we, we still kind of operate in, in a way with a culture that is very much uh, a family business. So if there are any young, uh, well, not young, any, any good salespeople that want to, want to, want to talk to us, don't hesitate to reach out. We'd love to talk to you. I love it. And you know, if you want to do like really cool things and you want you want an interesting job where you're not always doing exactly the same thing, you're working with different industries, you know, as Graham was saying, like you could be in defense one day, you could be in space the next day. Uh, but you're literally selling the machines that make the entire world run. Uh, it's uh, it's an amazing career. You should absolutely go check out Ellison Technologies. I will personally vouch for it is a fantastic sales job. And it's really all about being creative, being smart, uh, being able to connect with other human beings, being able to run the sales process and connect with the basics and fundamentals and being a fanatical prospector so you can go out there and build pipe. Uh, Graham Hooper, thank you so much for joining me on today's episode of the Sales Gravy Podcast. And folks, make sure you go check out Sales Gravy University. We have thousands of people from all over the globe who come to Sales Gravy to learn how to sell. They learn the basics and fundamentals. And if you've never taken a course on Sales Gravy, just go to learn.salesgravy.com, learn.salesgravy.com, use the code free course, and you can pick any course from the catalog, anyone you want, and you can join it and you can check it out yourself. And I'll see you next time on the Sales Gravy Podcast.